This is episode 69 of Parenting with the Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a really unique conversation that I had with Dr. Linda Medcalf. Dr. Linda Medcalf and I are going to be speaking at a conference that you're going to hear all about. So we decided to collaborate and have a conversation together that would be on both her podcast and mine. Her podcast is Solution Focused Schools Unlimited. You're listening to mine, and this is going to be an enriching conversation about how to give kids a voice. Have you ever been in a situation where you don't feel heard? Maybe you've been in a conversation and you're talking about something so important and when the person responds, it's as if they didn't even listen to a word you said. We don't want to accidentally make our children feel that way. It's easy to do so without even realizing it. So as you listen in, think about ways that you can give your child a voice in the very next conversation that you guys have. But first, don't forget to subscribe, download, or follow. Yes, follow. Apple has changed the way that you put our uh, show or any other show in your library. See, at the very, very top right-hand corner next to the three dots, you're going to see an arrow. When you hit that drop-down, then you push follow. It does the exact same thing as subscribe. It's absolutely free. It just assures that the show is in your library. So we'll roll with Apple's changes and go ahead and hit follow on the Apple platform. And the same way you always have on the other platforms, you might listen to a podcast. So remember, this is a little bit different episode, but I think you're really going to like it. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Linda Metcalf. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. And our our, uh, topic is giving students a voice, which is what this podcast is about. And we're presenting on Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas at 4 p.m. So please, please come find us and sit so we can get to know you. So Cheryl, thank you so much for doing this today. I know this is going to be so fun. I just, it was my brainstorm. I was like, let's do something different. We both have podcasts. We both are out there spreading the word of how people can be more solution focused in their life. And why not have a talk about it and put it on our podcasts? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm just so thankful that you did have that training because I'll tell you what, there's, um, there's not very many opportunities for those of us that study the solution-focused approach to get training like that. And it really, it really solidified my practice. And the training that you do is amazing. Um, those of you that are on my podcast, you know, because we're going to put this on both if it seems a little weird this time, guys. Um, you've heard Linda Medcalf before on my podcast, and I'm so glad that we're able to share this stage right now. But I haven't really found out from you, how did you become passionate about making sure that kids have a voice in 
school situations and just in general, especially in schools? Well, thank you for that question. I guess, you know, when I think the root of it all is the fact that I'm a family therapist too. And uh, as a family therapist, we think systems. And when I was in practice years ago, I guess the first time I had a realization of the importance of making sure that students had a voice was when I was working with a family. And this is a family that they were, the mom and dad were divorced. It was a 14 year old. And he'd been an honor student up until the eighth grade. And suddenly when mom and dad divorced, things just went haywire. And he joined in with some kids that were not good for him, started smoking pot at school, got suspended. Parents and and he came to counseling. And I noticed him sitting in a session, just staring at the floor, not really wanting to interact with me or anybody else. And mom and dad, very upset. Mom had been more of the tough love kind. Dad was also tough love. And so this kid was just down and out. And what he would do, he'd go home and and put holes in his wall at home. And um, grandparents would come over and reprimand him. So he was getting it from everywhere. And I just looked at him at one point in the session and thought, oh my gosh, you know, where, you know, what, what is your life like? What's it like to walk in your shoes? And so I asked mom and dad to step out for a little while and and then I talked to him and he finally began to talk to me and I said, what do you really wish that your parents knew about you? And he said, I wish they knew that I was really good. And so we talked for a few more minutes and I said, so what would it look like someday when you start showing them this good side of you, Nick, what would that look like? And he gave me a list of things. And um, after he did that, I invited his parents back in and said, you know, would you agree that maybe the things you've been trying out so far with the tough love maybe hasn't worked like you wanted? And they said, oh, yeah, that's for sure. And I said, would you be willing just for the next week to watch for the good in your son? And, and I looked at Nick and I said, you know, you've told me some things that you think you could do. Would you be willing to really show them? And he started nodding and mom started crying and dad said, OK, well, let's try that out. And um, I saw him maybe two more times over the summer, it's during the summertime. And um, things got really so much better for him and his mom. And, and he and mom patched up the walls at home. They started getting along. He dropped his friends that were negative influences. And, and then it was time to go back to school. And um, so we were all, all excited. Things were gonna go better. He was all pumped up. Things gonna go better for school. First day of school, he walks into his middle school the assistant principal sees him walk in the door and runs up to him and says, why did you even bother to come back? Oh no. And Nick turned around and walked home. It was like five miles. Wow. And um, the school called mom and mom called me and I started thinking, man, you know, I really missed, I missed this, you know, wonder what we could have done differently. Then I started realizing if he had been in a meeting with that AP and the teachers who he had offended and had the chance to say, look, I'm really a good kid, like he did in the session, would that have made a difference? And so from then on, I, as a school counselor, I never ever let a student go back to class without walking with that student back to class. And I talk about this on the webinars and I walk back and I, I tried to, to let teachers know that I, the student is tr- thinking I'm doing something different, would you just watch for what they do? And that I've seen it, you know, in the eyes of teachers look at me and say, oh, okay. And they, they lose some of that anger and hostility towards a student. And when that happens, the student and teacher can begin to engage and things go better. And so that was the first time I saw, 
I really need to do something about this. Yeah, that's such an interesting story because when you think about it, you were able to touch that family unit and it took all of one comment to have him spiral like that. It really did. It wow. really did. Yeah. And so now whenever I, I in, a, in my practice, uh, if I have a, a, a school client where things are going off track at school, my first session is in my office. My next session is always on campus. Yeah. And we have a meeting and the students always in the meeting every single time, whether it's a kindergartner or a 12th grader. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, seriously, I usually don't have to see them again. Because you have all the parties involved that are on the same page, right? Yeah. And more importantly, probably when it gets down to it, the child felt heard. Yes. Yes. You know, I think he felt heard that day in the office with his mom and dad. So the same thing happens in schools. We we tend to make decisions for kids in RTI meetings and team meetings and 504 meetings without ever hearing what the student needs. Yeah. Really, you think it's kind of insane to do that. So uh, this takes it into that mindset and yeah. um, so far so good. How about, how about you? I mean, I know that you attended that, that um, solution focused school climate specialist and everyone you have to know, Cheryl was one of the best students. I could tell when you were just listening to me and the answers that you gave me, she gets it and you got it quickly. So I know that you have done that in your school too, with giving students a voice. What do you tell us, tell us a little bit about what you do? You know, absolutely. It's it, I had been studying solution focused kind of on my own. I was my own little student, you know, I was getting a YouTube university and all the different types of, I was getting <laughs> books from everywhere. And if I went to a conference, I would attend a conference, you know? And so I was kind of piecing together, you know, how this, concept of not only being solution focused, but being really child focused, student focused um, can make such a huge difference in the outcome that you're trying to create. You know, we're trying to have an outcome at the end of all of this. And many times when the outcome isn't what you want it to be, you know, everyone's pointing fingers, you know, blaming everybody. And it's like you said, I thought, you know, there's got to be a better system. And I could tell that solution focus was the way to go, but your, uh, your class definitely put it some cement into it because then I had some actual steps of what I could do in practice. And, um, and shortly after I was in your class, I also realized the power of bringing a, a whole group of students a voice. You know, it doesn't have to be just one student. I remember th- distinctly that a class, uh, there was that we had an after-school program. The teacher came to me and said, we're having a real problem with the fifth graders bullying and just everyone being so unhappy and, and frustrated. And then right about that same time, a fifth grade teacher came to me with the same issue. So I went into both the after-school program and the other program, and I began to let them brainstorm themselves about what the problem was. I didn't even tell them why I was there. I just said, I heard that there's some things going on here that are, that are uncomfortable, that, that you're not, uh, you're not feeling comfortable here. Let's talk about that. And as we began to uncover that, it was clear to me as I watched those children just be the experts of their own grade of what they knew was going on in their classroom, completely judgment-free 
that um, the more that one person spoke, then another person spoke and, and then it started to spread. And before you know it, they were having a voice in their own class. And um, most recently, that same teacher came up to me and said, I've never seen such a big change in my class as I did when you uh, came in and did that simple thing. And she's all, how did you do that? How did it happen? You know? So then it, it, it ends up being able to say, yeah, you know what? It's, it's not that difficult to do, but you have to be very deliberate about deciding that you're going to truly listen to where the student is at and then helping them achieve because they want the best for themselves. They don't want to have an environment that's uncomfortable. They don't want to be feeling bullied or watching other kids be bullied or even being in the middle of being a bully, you know? So uh, it, it's, it's amazing when you begin to step back and say, wait a minute, I really am really for real, not just pretend going to choose to listen to these kids and give and help give them a voice so they can feel confident to then speak out for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the thing too, I mean, when you do such amazing things like go into the classroom and ask the kids to tell you what it is that's bugging them and then help them begin to talk about what it would be like someday when they're feeling more comfortable the ideas they come up with are their own and they're more likely to follow those. Yeah. And some adult who's 30 years older than they are. So it's, it is so much, so much better. Um, but I, I remember when I was a high school counselor, there was an alternative school. Uh, there's in-school suspension class. And you might've heard me tell this story, Cheryl, um, that was on Fridays. It was typically full to the, the you know, filling the wall-to-wall students. In the <laughs> yeah. Room. They, they, they've they gotten their fair share of activity that week, right? <laughs> Had their fair share. And so I walked in one day because the, the AP said, just go check out. We've got so many kids in, in, in the ISS classroom and see what you can do. I said, okay, well, walked in. And of course, they were all silent because that was their punishment. They couldn't talk and they had to, to work. So I walked in and looked at the teacher and said, would it be okay if I talked to your class? And she said, sure. I think they, they're dying to say something and they can't. So Anyway, um, you know, I could have gone in and said, you know, so why are you guys all here? You know, but that would have been lame. And I thought, no, instead I said, you know, so here you are today, Friday. And let's say I come back next Friday and you're not here. You're, you're in, in the regular classrooms. What might you be doing uh, between now and next Friday to stay out of ISS? And there was a lot of silence because they weren't used to a question like that. And, yeah. and um, there was a lot of mumbling and they started telling me, but one young man had, was brave and he said, miss, it's not us, it's the teachers. Uh, really? <laughs> of course. Yeah. So the teacher, I said, what is it about the teachers? He said, they just don't like us, miss. I said, well, tell me then, um, how would you know a teacher liked you? And, and what would be the best kind of teacher in the world ever anyway for you? So they start, boy, did they give me ideas. And so they, I started writing them on the blackboard. It's actually yes. or green board or whatever. And everything from, they'd say hello. They'd like us. They would make jokes with us. They'd make school interesting. They would be fun. They would explain things. They wouldn't just go too fast. I mean, it went, I wrote so fast. I had like 20 things on the yes. board. And at the end, I looked at the all. you're brilliant. This is exactly what they're taught in education classes. Did you know that? And they looked at me really funny. I said, now here's another question for you. Let's suppose this kind of teacher did exist. What kind of students would she need to, or he need so that he could be all these things? 
Well, then they got a little quiet, you know, and uh, but then they started giving me answers like, well, miss, they need to be on time to class. Okay, what else? Well, they need to pay attention. They need to be respectful. They need to do their work. Anyway, we went on through that. I had another long list and, and that list was incredible. And I said, are you serious? What, you know, these are great ideas. I said, you know, but, but above all things, what I'm really impressed with everything you said today is, is, is what you want from a teacher. And, and everyone, the most important thing I want you to know about this story is not one of them said they wanted less work. Wow. That was not included in what, yeah. not, not any of that. It was all relational. These are all high school students. And I said, you know what? I'm so impressed. I'm going to take a picture of what I wrote down and I'm going to go and send it to every teacher in this school. So they'll know what you really want. And they said, no, you're not going to do that. I said, yes, I am. You don't know. And I did. And um, it, it just told me the voices that were so clear, what they're wanting is just so simple. Yes. Is they want a relationship with teachers more than anything. I have seen the exact same thing. I worked with middle school students who, who that had been expelled and they were in their last, last, last chance type situation. Um, and when you've been expelled, it's not just suspended. I mean, you've, you've gone through it mm-hmm. and same type of thing. When you sat down with them and you asked them, what is it? that if, if you were able to sit in a classroom and because it always happens that way, it's the teachers, they did, did, did this and that and yeah. the other. Yeah. And when you ask that question, I was exactly like you. I never once had a child say, well, if they just would give me less work, right. if anything, they would say, I'd like some help so I can learn the things that right. I would need to right. learn so I can yeah. do my work, you yeah. know, and it uncovers the real problem, because I don't know about you, but they always ask, well, is this learned helplessness or is this kid being stubborn or they really can't learn? Well, the kid knows that the child knows if they really don't know how to read or if they are just being stubborn. So when we engage them in this process, then we're getting the full picture. Yeah then we can work from there. And let's say that they are not being honest. Well, you know what? They're still engaged in the process and then we can fine tune it because I'm sure you've seen that too, even in that class and other times where they begin. And then the, like I said, it's momentum. Like the more they feel comfortable, the more they're going to talk. And then the more the honesty comes out and the more they're comfortable to be in the process, but we don't give them the opportunity. How can they get there? Right. I know it. I know it. You know, I think when we ask questions with a solution focused approach about, you know, what are your best hopes and what do you wish for? They often do look at us like, I have no clue. Are you nuts? Yeah. They're not used to being asked questions like that, but like you're saying, eventually when they know you're serious, that you really do want to know because that can give you ideas that you can share with teachers, they do start telling you things. Yeah. And what's important is that we listen to them, like you're saying, and, and not dismiss it. And I think using this approach, here's the thing. I think we get a lot less lip service from students, just saying things that they think we want to hear. I think we get honesty a lot more often because I think they can pick up that it really matters to me that you have a voice in this meeting. Yeah. And you know, I've seen it happen with families as well. Since I've been bringing this in this, uh, the solution focused into our families, I've sat down with one particular family unit that had the youngest daughter that was, um, you know, in their words, running amok, you know, she was just running the house. She was just the, the, trying to do everything to get control, if you will. 
And when they all sat down together and we said, well, what would this family look like if there was peace? What would, what would that be like? And let's write down what that would look like. And then which one of these things can you do? Here, the family unit can do the exact same thing as, as, as we could with the individual by using an approach that allows people to imagine their preferred future and then think, bring it back to where they're at. You know, it's like, oh gosh, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. This, I haven't told you this, but I, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, mindfulness is very important being in the moment, being able to be in that present moment. We know as counselors and therapists that we need to be in that moment with our, our client and, and parents need to be in that moment with their child. But it's a special thing when you can be in that moment and then take them to a preferred future and yeah. then bring them back to that moment. Yeah. You know, that's an amazing thing because our mind can do that. We're, we have an amazing mind that we have on our shoulders, you know, so it's, it's, it's something that that's what the solution focused approach allows them to do is mm -hmm. to say, okay, this person has my best interest at heart. They're here with me. They're present with me. Now we're going to imagine this preferred future, mm -hmm. allow ourselves to dream a little, mm -hmm. but now is it such a dream? Let's bring it back to today. And I think that's the power of us. Uh, the, to me, that's really the power of it because we know how important mindfulness is, but what do we do when we're doing a mindful practice? We think about relaxing. Um, many times we do think about our preferred future and, and that type of thing, but the solution focused approach has steps that people can practice whether you're a, whether you're a parent, a teacher, a counselor, an administrator, or, or, or a therapist, mm -hmm. you could practice it and get better and better. And then you're able to bring people to a totally different place for their future than you ever thought possible. Right. That's the way I really look at it. You really, really can. And I just kind of had a, a, an idea when you were talking about administrators too, could you all imagine what it might be like for an administrator to take this approach and be in the moment, be, in, be present with the student like Cheryl's just talking about. I mean, you can imagine a kid getting in trouble again, only this time the administrator sits down with the student and the teacher and said, look, you know, you've been in trouble last week and this week, but I'd really like to find out from you what we can do as a school or as what your teacher can do, what I can do so that, you know, possibly this doesn't happen as much in the future. And maybe what you might think you could do differently. So you wouldn't be in my office all the time. I mean, I would love to see you out in the office, outside the office. But you know, that first part you said that takes humility. <laughs> you got to be humble enough to be able to actually say, because I've heard administrators, I brought that to my administrator. You have a podcast, I think it's number 11 that talks a lot about that. And um, on that episode, you guys should go back and listen to it. And it is, it, and, and I brought that to my administrator and she's a new administrator. She was an um, assistant before. And she said, I'm not sure if I could ask that question because it would take my power away. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, right. huh, that's yeah. interesting. See, what they don't realize is it gives you more power. Right, right. Not quite the opposite. It's, we, have, we tend to, in education, I think it's either black or white. You know, if, it, if it's, a, if it's a, a negative experience we have with a kid, there has to be a punishment. There has to be a consequence. But when you see the same kids over and over again, it's not working. And so, you know, what we're talking about today is something very novel, very different, which takes, like you're saying, humility, which, gosh, just skyrockets, skyrockets respect in the eyes of a student for an administrator or a teacher to look at them and say, you know, 
you matter to me. And, and I'd like to see what we can do together so that this behavior that's been bugging you takes a hike and I can see the kid I really believe you are. Right. Can you imagine I what mean. might be for the kids. I mean, I, I know, I know it's a, it, it is a, a big step for administrators, but I really do think, well, I know it happens. It happens in Garza High School. Oh, like yeah. I tell you all about all the time. Garza High School. Yes. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> it really is. It is. Yes. Garza High School. Amazing. And in a lot of places. I think that I think that that's our job, um, at least as school counselors, is to help administrators over that hurdle because that's a legitimate that's a legitimate concern. I mean, they're the principal. They go there for a certain reason. And so we need to be able to have an answer for that, which you had just said. Give it a shot because it could give you more power with the student. Yeah, yeah. And it's in us too. I mean, when you look, I remember one time I had a student that was in trouble on suspension and he had gotten in trouble with this and then he had to go back to high school and it was a huge high school here it was like a 4,000 student uh high school and I remember going back to school with him the day he went back to school because I was afraid what was going to happen to him right incident with the, with Nick and so I remember talking to this AP and he was not a very happy person for me to be showing up with this student next to me but I said look I have a parent permission I just come in to kind of uh, do what I call reintroduce Nick to you. He's been the alternative campus. He's coming back and he really wants things to go better. And the guy sits back in his chair and he picks out up a file that's like two inches thick. And he said, you see this, Dr. Metcalf, this is his file. Goodness. Yeah, I'd like to see difference, but I'm not going to see it. Chances are. And I said, well, you know, I know you've tried a lot of things, but would you be willing to just try one thing with just as an experiment for the next week? And he said, well, I don't know. It just depends on what it is. I mean, all of this in front of the kid. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You don't, get it. you don't get it. And so he said, what? I said, would you just watch and see the times that he's not in your office next week? That's all. And if you see him in the hallway and he's doing OK, just let him know. Just say, hey. And the guy goes, that's all. I said, that's all. And I looked at my my student and I said, you know how to do that, right? And he goes, yeah, because he and I had talked about who Yeah, you guys had already been on the same about how he had wanted people to see him. And um, and then I left. And do you know, I mean, he this young this student was was uh he did great and he was one one day that went and told the AP that somebody had brought brought a gun to school. Wow. So, you know, that that was just it's just a, a very you know, one of so many examples that, I, that I'm sharing with, with you and that you're sharing with our listeners too, that doing something different like this is so powerful. It yeah. is, if you, if you're after power, um, <laughs> I'm personally would say, I'd like to say I'm, I'm after power to help students succeed. Um, you know, that's what, that's what gives me excitement, but um, and it is a different approach, but I think when you've got kids that you've tried everything else with and nothing has really worked, you know, this is where this approach really shines and trumps all those other trials that you've had. So, yeah, well, let's let's take a step back. And would you kind of outline real quickly the three steps and we could kind of talk about the three in, in its most basic form, the solution focused approach that everyone can use? What are what are the three basic steps? Yeah, three, three basic steps are the first step is to listen to whatever your school client, and I mean my school client, teacher, student, parent, come into your office and they tell you what the, you know, why they're there, you know, and you listen, but you don't respond to any of the problem talk. And so instead, you just say, so what are your best hopes for our time? And that usually stops things pretty quickly because it's a very different kind of question. And then I just wait to hear what I, 
what they're going to tell me. And, and from that, I make sure that it is something that we can all see. For example, somebody may say, well, parent will say, well, he needs, I just want to stop being called by the school. Okay. Instead of that, what will be happening? Well, I guess he'd be doing better in school. What would that look like? Well, I guess he'd be make, he'd be passing and he would not be sent to the office. Okay. Okay. So he'd be passing. And, and instead of being sent to the office, what else would be going on? Well, he'd be, be doing better in school. He'd be respectful. Okay, great. And then, so what would that look like? You know, what does he, you think your, your son or daughter might need from you on that day when he starts to be respectful past school, et cetera, et cetera. And that is called the preferred future step two. You know, what would that look like? What would be, what would the teachers need to know about your son that you could share with them? What would your son need to know about you and how much you love him and care for him? What do you think he'd need to know and get from you? And you get a very, very, very detailed picture. It's kind of like painting a picture you want. It's one thing to do a, a two-dimensional drawing, but when you add in all the, all the rich uh, extra colors and ideas of that painting, then the painting comes alive. And so by doing that with details, chances are your person will walk out of your office knowing what they need to do. And the third step is exception hunting. And that just means look at this picture that you've just painted for me of how you want people to see you and, and how you want things to go. And tell me times when you've done just a little bit of this in other situations. It could be any situation, even a tiny, small situation. And that gives kids and parents and teachers hope that they've done it before a little bit. Therefore, I guess I can do it again. In other words, the Shazer used to say, please don't do anything new. <laughs> Instead, do what you've done before on a small scale and try it again. Right. Because, it, because then you know how to do that. Yes. Our so mind, this, our mind has memory, so it can remember that yes. feeling. You can remember that process and then redo it. It's a good point. And that's one reason why we go into detail with the preferred future so that kids know when they walk out of the office and I might say, as you walk back down to your classroom, what will you be thinking and who will you be thinking about? And what will you going, what will you do when you walk in? And where will you sit? And what will you do first? Little steps that give him a very clear picture. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know, in a few of my sessions, I've added a sentence that they can tell themselves instead. Oh. Oh. You know, I'll say, okay, can you think of a sentence you could stay instead? When the negative self-talk comes and you think, I can't do this. What was I thinking? These people, I'm just going to fight them. What are you going to say to yourself instead? And sometimes adding that extra thing gives them that internal dialogue that they need to be successful with this approach. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. It helps. I mean, and that's something that we can always, we can always help children and we can do it for ourselves. Replace, you know, if you have something that's not serving you well, think about what you would rather have and then replace yeah. those thoughts, replace Absolutely. it with something else. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And what I, would they need to do to begin to get those new thoughts in action? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's the whole thing. And I have actually have your, uh, I, I broke out with your curriculum <laughs> before I got here and you had put, uh, you had put it this way in our curriculum. The first one was get a desired goal. The second was describe the perfume preferred future, like you said, and then three, build solutions and expectations. So, you know, and, and it's just, it's like, if it's always in our mind, I mean, three steps, you know, that's the mind can remember three steps <laughs> that it's a matter of practicing, right? Yeah, it is. And, and I think here's the thing too. I think the first time you see it work, you're going to walk away going, oh my gosh, this is, was way too simple. 
Yeah. And then they watch the results and then they go, oh, this is, this is so much better. And then you get hooked on it. Okay. So she'll tell me a little bit about how you work with parents who want to give their students a voice. Well, I, I was, you and I were kind of talking before we got on air about how important it is that students feel heard in the meetings and when they're, whether it be every single year, you know, you're called for a t- basic teacher meeting, or it could be because of discipline, or it could be because of just a, a, a meeting to discuss the grades, right? And parents get so nervous about these meetings and they want to be able to support their child and they want to be able to be their best self. And I think that a lot of parents could use this approach to have a conversation with their child before they get to the meeting to, to find out um, how they can be a voice. You know, that's kind of what I do as a counselor is I don't go in to my meetings and assume what the child would like. I know that I'm the child's, I'm kind of like the child's advocate if they invite me as a counselor to be a part of the meeting. So I'll ask permission from the students to share um, certain goals that we've talked about, solution-focused conversations and and bring them into, I say, you know, I'm going to be your voice. What would you like them to know? What would you like this group of people to know? And would you like to share that? And if so, let's practice what you're going to say. Well, you know, if, if, parents are in a situation where they're not sure if their school has an advocate that's a school counselor that's going to be able to stand in the gap or um, or if they are going to let the child see, they can say, can my child be in the meeting? Mm-hmm. And then they could talk to their child about it. Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. Maybe right. people might say some negative things, but you know what? I want to be your voice and I want to be able to, for us to be a team. So mm-hmm. what would you like to talk about in this meeting? And see, then the child doesn't feel as though all eyes are on them. They're just a loser. Let's just get out of here. They really feel as though the people are there for them. And so that's kind of what you and I were like, there's another layer to this. It's not just giving a kid a voice to be able to voice it. It's giving them a voice to be able to feel heard in, in all these different arenas that they have to live in. Yeah. So um, so that's one way I do it. Yeah. And you know, as a parent, I think what we've just said to, if you are a parent listening out there, you have the ability and the right really just to let a a school know if you are asked to come to a meeting that you want your son or daughter to come with you. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think it's it's much, much more beneficial, even if the student says nothing and you, you're sitting in a room with people that are trying to come up with ideas that can help him or her. I mean, that in itself can be very, very helpful. Now, so. I can say that if a parent gets their little spidey sense that it's a negative situation yes. and it's going to be it, it, and, and they, they might, you know, go in a negative path then uh, then it's the, the latter is to really be a voice for that child, you know, yes. because you can, it can also go the other way. I've seen that happen where we're like, we want the child to sit here. And mm-hmm. then it's a big fat, you know, talk bad about your child fest. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's a matter of being an advocate for your child is stepping in when you know it's important for them to be a part of the conversation and protecting them when it's not important for them to be a part of that conversation. But even if it's not, even if you feel as though the timing or the personalities that you're going to be talking to, it's not right for them to be there. The parent could still be the voice for the child, yes. you know, and they can speak on that behalf. It's quite amazing. Now in the best case scenario, we're bringing that child in with people that really are going to be brainstorming and the child's in the process. And that's what we're working towards. You know, I know that's what you and I both are working so hard towards. 
You know, and when we can get that kind of context, everyone who's listening, let me tell you, it's magical. And thank you, Cheryl, for reminding me of that. You know, like you're saying, there are times when a kid has just really burned bridges with teachers and APs and they want a meeting. And so the parent's going and the parent knows and maybe the parent's even angry at the school. You know, what's important is that maybe before we ever bring that student in, that we go and test the water first. And I admit when I go on to campuses, I always go in and meet with everyone first before I ever bring the student in. I let them just sit out and say, you know, adults are going to talk. It's no big deal. I'll just, just chill and I'll come back and get you in a little bit. And a lot of times, you're right, people just need to vent. But after they've vented, that's when we go back and I just literally say to them all, so what are our best hopes for Johnny? How do we, what do we really want to come out of this meeting that would tell us all that, you know, we've done our best. Yes. And that's when we get on the, on the, on the, uh, on the road to solution building. So good yeah. point. I wanted to mention that everyone, you don't want to uh, have it backfire on you. And I've had situations where it almost did and was lucky though, that I was able to say to a student, why don't you take a step out for a minute and I'll come get you in a little bit. Yeah. And um, just in case, and I, I do that on purpose for lots of reasons. One, to save the student and the second to kind of model for the, the adults. Not okay to do that. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, come back and talk about what we're really trying to accomplish. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things to where this topic of giving a child a voice, um, it's more of a mindset, really, like we always talk about. It's really just always keeping that in the forefront of our mind. If our pride gets in the way, be willing to step back and say, wait a minute, am I, give, am, am I giving the child the voice that they need to have? Um, we can implement this in our homes. You know, I've, I've had parents tell me the same thing as you're asking my child to have a voice. No, they're going to do what I say. It's not that they're not, we're not telling them, we're not yeah. trying to suggest that they're not going to do what a parent or a teacher says, but right. we're saying that they are involved in the process of fine tuning their ability to be their best self. And that's what we're really wanting them to be is their best self. So I am so, so excited that we get to talk on this subject at the conference, right? In July, in Vegas, yeah. right? <laughs> in this yeah. case, what's what's happening in Vegas, we want everybody to know. It's not what stays in Vegas, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, yeah, please take this home with you. Yes. Yes, yeah. And yes. we're so excited. So yeah. if anyone is actually going to the conference, um, like you said, Linda, find us. Yes. And yes. even if it's not during, look for us so we could just meet you. You know, oh, I just love, love to meet yeah, you guys. Yeah. Yes. yes. Because yes. so many of you guys are um, on the webinars with Linda. Uh, and so many of you guys are out there doing the work out there in the schools, out there in the trenches. So many of the parents that are on my podcast are also educators and are um, so excited about being able to learn the concepts that we need to learn to be our best self. And so uh, we're just so stoked about being there. But if you miss it, you have another opportunity for both. Both of us are doing something amazing in October ran by you. What's that all about? Okay. Thank you for mentioning that. That is the, the, the third Solution Focus School Conference. It will be virtual October 29th and 30th. And we're just now beginning to send out a little bit of information on it. And Cheryl, I've you know, Cheryl will be talking twice. In addition to that, if you are a solution focused person, you know who Bill O'Hanlon is. Well, for the ten, past 10 years, he's been writing songs in Tennessee. 
and he's now back in New Mexico and said he would do a welcome for me. This is a big deal. Yes. Um, and, in addition to that, Pam King, who is a solution focused play therapist, who talks around the world, is going to be talking about how she does that. And one of my favorite people in the world, David Epstein, who wrote a book called Narrative Therapy in Wonderland. And if you've been on Solution Focus Connection, you know how I just adore this man. He's going to be doing the last keynote on Saturday and just the kindest man in the world. He'll teach you how to use what he calls wonderfulnesses. Mm -hmm. You know, you all have wonderfulnesses. You have to tune in on October 30th to see what those are. Oh my gosh. One of your absolute favorite things that you sent out to all of us that are on your mailing list. I highly suggest you get on your mailing list and I send out solution focused activities as well, but is the one that you did about Kermit the Frog? Oh, was it? Oh, oh really? my gosh. Uh, it was like, it was like, um, uh, St. Patrick's day. Right. And you had the greatest little activity that you sent out that I ended up doing in a staff meeting. And then I did it oh, in, no. with the students and the students loved it so much. And so, you know, it was just, oh my gosh, I'm just remembering. It was like, it's not easy being green, but then you switch that around, right. To kind of like the green is your uniqueness. Yeah. It was yeah. really special and the kids really yeah. got it and the Aww. teachers got it as well. So, you know, Aww. I just love that. So that's the reason to be plugged in with both of us, right? Is because we are always looking out for you guys. We want you guys to have fun activities to do as well as information, um, contact us, share stories with us. We love it. And, yeah. uh, and we've just love to be able to interact with you guys to see what you guys are doing out there as well. So, um, so yeah, gosh, this has been so fun, right? It has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Cheryl. I mean, it's going to be so much fun to work with you at, at ASCA. We, everyone, we are on Sunday at 4 p.m. And the title of our webinar, or, I'm sorry, our, our live presentation is Give Students a Voice. Yes. And everything you've heard us talk about to here, we're going to be doing a little bit more of that. And we're going to do role plays and uh, some exercises. And we're going to have some clips from Cheryl's podcast and my podcast and a couple of videos. You know me, we're going to make it fun. That's yep. the way you can learn. And um, just can't wait to meet all of you. So thank you, Cheryl, so much for spending time with me. Uh, this and, has been uh, great. I mean, it's yeah. just another chance for us to connect. I think you're amazing. Yeah. I I love it that we're able to talk about what we're passionate about here yes. and, uh, and, and just that hopefully many people out there will begin to give new things a try. And this is just yeah. one more new thing It is, it try is. with the kids that you're around, right? That it you've had. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's one more new thing. It's, it's, but I think it's one more new thing that will become a regular thing. If yes. you just try it out and you see that it works. So thank you very much. I will see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Goodbye. Okay. Thanks. I want to remind you guys to listen to and follow the Solution Focus Schools Unlimited podcast with Dr. Linda Bedcalf. And I also invite you to hop over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com. There you're going to find some wonderful resources. You can get my newsletter. It is right there on the homepage. You don't have to wait until next month. You can sign up for the Focused Mindset community. And I send a personalized, personalized letter out to the Focused Mindset community each and every month. And I talk to you about how I felt about the episodes, some of the behind the scenes things of what went on afterwards about my guests. 
I just kind of write to you. So don't miss out on a single one of those. And always jump over to the show notes where I'm going to give you guys the helpful links to get you where you need to go. And I am excited about speaking at the National Schools Conference, as you guys can tell. So I'm going to get out of here and prepare. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.